This morning's text comes to us from the book of Acts. It's a story that if we've been around the church for any length of time, we know pretty well. It's read every year at Pentecost, usually at least. But I pray that the Holy Spirit may come among us and by the fire of that love, we may open our hearts to receive a new breath of inspiration in Christ's name. Amen. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, this is the word of the Lord. If this story seems like bedlam to you, I'm sure it felt that way to those disciples. Actually, there were 120 of them, Luke says in his story. 120, counting Jesus' mother. They were there waiting silently and I think fearfully for something to happen Jesus had given them warning about. He said, the Holy Spirit will come among you, so wait there. Plus they were fearful because they were sort of on the lamb. The Jewish and religious authorities along with the Roman authorities had crucified Jesus and they figured that they could be next. So they're keeping quiet. All of a sudden, in the house where they were sitting, this huge wind began to blow, filling the whole house. And then, startled by that, they look up and see that everyone there is engulfed by this presence, this, for lack of any better terms, uh, tongues of fire. They were filled up with the fire of God. They are so filled up, in fact, that they are no longer afraid. They all tumble out of the house and find outside of the street all of the people hanging around who heard all this commotion, wondering what it was about. And they began to speak to them in tongues that the Spirit gave them utterance for. And what's completely weird about this story is that 
every single person there, each from their own tribe, their own nation, at least two of the countries listed no longer existed. They had gone extinct several hundred years ago, yet they're listed too on this, on this litany of who's included. Of all of those people there, each one heard those disciples proclaiming the good news of the gospel in their own language. Amazing. They were so utterly amazed, they asked, aren't these people Galileans? How can they speak this way? Well, I wouldn't mind a little more spiritual liveliness in worship. Men actually singing hymns, for instance. Just teasing. St. Paul warned us against such emotionalism. He said, if it becomes too personal about me, myself, and I in this experience of spirituality, we are missing the point. If speaking in tongues starts looking like, I don't know, a six-year-old at his first first grade dance, or clucking around like a chicken, making no sense, if that's what spirituality leads to, Paul says, that serves no greater good. He warned against it, saying those who speak in tongues do so to build up themselves, but those who prophesy build up the church. For Paul, it was better to preach and teach and share your faith in a way that all could understand it than to flap around like that. Not that there's anything wrong with it. What I think he's calling into question is our I found it personal salvation spirituality. For Paul understood that the whole Bible is not about me, but about we. The Hebrew people never understood themselves alone in relationship to God. It was always as the people of God, the company of heaven, the all Israelites together. Just as the church never understood itself as each individual member, but the full body gathered together. Jesus said, wherever two or more are gathered, I am in the midst of them. Which is why I think the story about Pentecost is so amazing and beautiful and so necessary for us to remember. It shows these disciples by the power of the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues, but it is a language that enables them to communicate with those who don't share the same language. They connected to every single person there by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's relational. It's not individual. The story says that God-fearing Jews from every nation, and they list them. How powerful is that? Do we get that? How incredibly powerful is that, that something by the grace of God comes into our midst and gathers us together 
in all of our differences, in all of our political opinions, in all of our biases, and the next thing you know, we're all speaking the same language. We're now hearing and understanding each other in a brand new way. We're not trying to make our case. We're not trying to talk over each other. We're not trying to convince anybody. We are simply listening, hearing, and connecting. Amazed and perplexed, the people asked, what does this mean? What does it mean? I've already said, it means that when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, it is not a solo event. It is not about just me, my own personal spiritual salvation. And in our culture, especially in the West, of rampant individualism, this is hard to understand. I can't tell you how many young people I speak with when I ask them how their faith life is, respond with SBNR, which is spiritual, but not religious. I'm spiritual, but not religious. Meaning that they are not connected to a community of faith, but are on their own spiritual journey, or hope to be. I can understand why they have turned away from organized religion. They look around at churches on the internet or in the newspaper, on TV, and what they see too often are narcissistic kingdom builders or ego-driven preachers or polarization and division and corruption and self-righteousness and cover-ups and way too much polit political involvement from the left and the right. No wonder they decide to do it on their own. Unable to see these institutions as trustworthy, they turn inward. Spiritual, but not religious. But there's a cost to this. And the data shows it. It is not directly related, but it is continual that the less involvement in religious life, the greater experience of loneliness and solitude. A greater experience of separation, and I think, the pursuit of even more shallow relationships. In our world today, our social contract together has been broken. Suicide and violence, solitude and despair, anger, hate seem to be only on the increase, dividing us even more. We sell military assault rifles to anybody who is over 18 years old. It makes no sense because we have a right. We do not have a personal right that invades the rights of the community. That is a biblical tenet about the power of the Holy Spirit. And if we are enlivened 
and inflamed and inspired by that understanding, then we are working for the greater good, not just for my own personal rights. What happened to we the people of the United States? What happened to civic responsibility, morality, ethics, community, and the virtues of the civic good? What happened to that? What happened to the original vision of our new country founded as one nation under God? Granted, they had a lot more to learn, but they understood this covenant with God, this relationship to God, that it is about us, not about me. Richard Mao, the past president of Fuller Seminary in California spoke at a purple church conference that I attended with a good friend of mine um, 10 years ago. His name was Bill Shy. you may know him. He was interim president at Columbia Seminary while also he was a lawyer in Jacksonville. And he was a great church member. He was on my search committee and he and I never saw eye to eye politically, but we loved each other. So the two of us went there to, to have a class about how you can love each other even though you don't agree politically, the purple church. Mao speaks and he says, being from the north, when he first came south, he went down to breakfast in the hotel and looked at the menu. The waitress ambled up and he said, I think I'll have, let's see, two eggs over medium, a cup of coffee, um, uh, with cream, and, and I think I'll try one of those grits. <laughs> the waitress put down her pad and pencil and looked at him and said, Honey, grits don't come by themselves. <laughs> Practicing our spirituality alone is a grit. Practicing our spirituality together is religion. And the amazing thing about it is the more diverse the people are that we are practicing it with, the more spiritual it becomes. You get that? The more diverse the people are that we are practicing our spirituality with, the greater the experience of God's spirit. I remember when I was fresh out of seminary, I was feeling big, right? So I've got a doctor of ministry and I'm wearing the robes and I'm in a church and I'm an associate pastor and I'm teaching a class and there's, a, te and there's a, a teacher there who's in the class. She's an elementary school teacher and she's just badgered me to death to go to this thing called Via de Cristo. It's the Lutheran, uh, Lutheran version of Crisio. If you don't know what it is, it's okay. It's a spiritual weekend. And you know, Last thing, I, I've just been through seminary. I don't want to go to one of these like young life deals where, you know, it's just simply to bring us to confession and my own personal, uh, you know, give myself up again. I've done that. That's great. I do it. I probably do it every day. I, you know, I just kind of knew what was going to happen. She badgered me so much. I finally gave in and said, yes, took a deep breath, showed up, got on the bus for the weekend and I hear a voice saying, excuse me, may I sit with you? And I said, no problem, please sit down. And I looked around and there were a lot of seats available on the bus, I wonder why he picked mine. And, and as I introduced myself, I noticed that he was a working man. 
He had on working man's clothes. He had grit and dirt, probably oil under his fingernails. And I thought, my God, here I am, this seminary graduate with a doctor of ministry. And I'm in this weekend with who knows what. <laughs> this is a confession. <laughs> about my elitism. You got it? And as the weekend went on, this man sat at our table. There were six at each table. As the weekend went on, I grew closer and closer to him. Ha, Holy Spirit says, so much about your fine little elitism. And what I discovered when that weekend was over was that he was called a table chop. His job was to serve all of us at the table. He worked for the organization, but never told us. He was Jesus to us. And that experience, along with the experience of all the others I did not know who were so completely different than I am, was for me and those there one of the most spiritual weekends I've ever had. I did again commit my life to Christ together. That's the point. That's the power of the Spirit that brought all of those people together with different voices. Yet, Peter runs out and begins preaching to them and preaches in such a way that it says 3,000 people signed up to be baptized. As we read this story about the sweep of the Spirit of God over, over all of creation, which is what happened at the first chapter of Genesis, and we see that Spirit of God sweeping over the people of Israel, and we see that Spirit of God sweeping into the life of Jesus Christ, and we see that Spirit of God sweeping over all the peoples of the earth, beginning with all of those gathered here who were Jews, sweeping out into those who were not circumcised, who were then baptized, the Gentiles, sweeping out to the women, sweeping out even as far as an Ethiopian eunuch who was the least person you would ever let in your house. And he's included. That's the Spirit of God. This is not about politics of diversity. It is about the Spirit of God that includes all of us, whether we want to be included or not. I mean, like Groucho Marx, who said, I'm not sure I want to be a member of a place that will let me in. <laughs> but let us in, this Spirit does. Whether we think we deserve it or not, if we don't want to come in because we think we're too stained or sinful, too bad. Come in the door. If we don't want to come in because we don't like the other people in the room, like the elder brother at the party of the prodigal, you're just going to miss the party. If we don't want to come in because we're too cynical to think something like the power of God and the Holy Spirit can bring people who are not like-minded together as one body, 
If we're too cynical for that, then we can just write it off like the people in this story who said, meh, they're just full of new wine and went on their way. We can do that. Or we can come to the table. The table of inclusion where we bring ourselves together as the body of Christ and are fed by this bread and this drink broken and poured out for our sake. Every single one of us, and if you don't like the bread, you have gluten-free. We try to be inclusive. <laughs> Every one of us invited here. You don't even have to be baptized to get to this table. I don't care what the Book of Common Order says. All you need to do is say, I want to be a part of this body of Christ. That's all it takes. Let us pray. Using our affirmation of faith in your bulletins. In a broken and fearful world, the Spirit gives us courage to pray without ceasing, to witness among all peoples to Christ as Lord and Savior, to unmask idolatries in church and culture, to hear the voices of people long silenced, and to work with others for justice, freedom, and peace. In gratitude to God, Empowered by the Spirit, we strive to serve Christ in our daily tasks and to live holy and joyful lives, even as we watch for God's new creation. Pray, come, come.